Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod. Uh, we're here with our very special guest, Tom Dalton. Tom, how are you getting on? Very good, lads. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate being on the podcast. Yeah, looking forward to it. Delighted to have you here. Mark Baker, as usual, in Glenageary. How are you getting on, Marky B? All good. All good. How are you, Luke? I'm fantastic. You know, I'm living in the... Uh, uh, I've been... I've been d- Doing a lot of self development here, uh, Tom. This week, I don't know what it is. I feel I'm feeling pretty positive. Um, I worry. I worry when Luke says that. I don't know what he's been reading. Uh, go on. <laughs> well, I've got <laughs> this, I've got this new. Uh, so, Tom, I've got this new business idea, right? And what I usually do is I I usually like I've got, I've had a lot of ideas over the years. Me and Mark. Oh, it's not drones for phones, is it? It's not drones for phones. Uh, <laughs> shout out to to Lesher out there if you're listening. Um, if you're still taking investment, uh, holler at uh, holler at Shark at or Luke at Shark dot ie. But um, anyway, so it's a business idea. What I usually do is I have these great ideas, and then I tell Mark about the ideas, and I say, "This is it. This is what we're going to do." And that's kind of good enough. Once I get validation from Mark that's a, that it's a good idea, I go, "Okay." And then I don't actually follow through. So we're going to try something different here. Um, and I'm going to like build the minimum uh, viable product. And then I'm going to pitch to Mark uh, to see if you know if, what what he thinks then. But it's going to be an actual business before we uh, before we get onto that. So we might do a bonus episode there. Uh, but for now, uh, Tom is the the founder owner of TD Performance um, and also the the uh, producer. I don't know, like podcaster. Uh, of um, the Making It Happen podcast. Um, I've gone, I was going through uh, some of the episodes there. I uh, saw Jamie White there. He p- keeps on popping up all the time. Uh, this week he's been in, like we've been doing research on other guests and he's like on that webpage as well. He's on your podcast. Uh, he's out there in Bali uh, living the dream. So shout out to shout out to that guy. And uh, let's kick off the, uh, the podcast. I've got a lot of rambling today, Mark Baker. But uh, Tom... How would you describe your business to the listeners, uh, TD Performance? That's the main, your main stay, right? Um, yeah, just one thing there before you start. You mentioned about thinking of starting your own business. Anyone that's in that position, there's a great um, video on YouTube of Brian Tracy. And he talks about the people have these great ideas but never aspire to them. And he calls it the Sunday Isle Syndrome. Okay. That's very good. It's just interesting. People have thousands of ideas, but they're sitting at their couch and home and they're 80 years of age and they say some someday I should do it. But um, sorry, back to me. Um, tell you about TD Performance and what I do. Um, so I originally founded a fitness company, if you want to call that. Didn't know what I was doing called Tom Dalton Fitness. And I was doing classes with gear out of the boot of my car. And that developed into me doing after-school boot camps with teachers. So probably the great thing about that, how I fell into it was like no rent. I used to go to schools. The teachers would get changed after the class and the kids went. I'd have a boot camp bodyweight class set up, ready to go. And we do classes on site after that. Um, From that, it grew into TD Fitness. Obviously, my initials again, if anyone can't keep up with that. Um, start developing a bit of a passion towards fitness and what I do. Here in Ireland, there, there wasn't a lot of people, and the fitness industry is very fickle. When you reach out to people, well, it was at the time, no one wanted to help or support you. Everyone thought you were coming for their territory. They didn't want to give you advice. They were shit, if I'm being honest. Really? And... So I looked across the water and I looked at some amazing coaches that were in the UK. I was obviously looking to do my best and self-develop and become better and learn how to become, I suppose, an expert or a lighthouse in my field. And so I did a lot of courses and education in the UK, made some very good friends there and network. And then when I was doing TD Fitness and doing my classes and I was working out of a place in Raffarnham and then Dundrum, I probably found my calling in that group environment being in front of 20, 30, 40 people. I knew I was very good at controlling the room and having given them an amazing experience, true fitness. And one of them then, one of the clients then approached me and said, would you be interested in doing something with, one of, with the company I work for? And at the time I was just saying, yes, 
absolutely what can i do didn't know what i was doing went in for a meeting blagged my way around nice. and i got a couple of fitness gigs out of it and a speaking talk and that was kind of my first corporate speaking talk and after blagging that gig and at the time it's now word of a lie they're a massive multinational i would have taken five euro to do the gig i just wanted to have their logo on my cv yeah. that's all i was worried about i was like if I can get their logo and say I've worked with these and a testimonial, I can use this as momentum going forward. So I got that over the line. And then I was like, hang on a second here. These guys have money. Corporates are switched on. Corporates are highly invested in their staff. Um, well-being is huge. Um, keeping their staff productive, higher energy, keeps their costs down, turnover, sick days. So that's when I kind of started developing the, developing the corporate wellness side of things and investigating that area. And luckily enough today, it's now we've got some very, I suppose, large and big clients and we've worked with a lot of reputable clients over the years and we continue to grow with them. And um, I've grown a bit of a team out of that. And that's where we are. And just one, someone always asks me why I changed the TD performance I walked into a meeting once. I know this is a big, long-winded answer for you guys, but oh, I walked into a meeting with a potential client once, and uh, at the time it was TD Fitness. And I walked into the meeting excited, ready to go, showing the portfolio of what we can do. And the person turned around to me and says, oh, you just do fitness classes. And I kind of took a step back, and I was like, hold on a second. The, the name isn't doing anything for me, so that's why I changed the TD Performance, and I kind of developed the brand from there. But uh yeah, that was probably a long answer for a, a short question. No, it was really brought us up to speed as well. Like, when did so when you did your first um, the first uh, classes with the uh, in the schools? What year was that? Was that a good while ago? That was what are we now? That was probably six years ago. Okay, so it's been, okay, so it's been quite a, a kind of a quick a quick journey to get where we are uh, today. Um, when you're working with the the corporate so it's interesting that you're talking about the wellness thing because this is something that's people are really investing in especially before the lockdown stuff i work for hubspot i don't know if i mentioned that beforehand but they um, you actually work for hubspot for yeah yeah i saw that on the, i saw that on the on your website um like they're, they're they genuinely want to invest in these types of programs for for people like they'll chip in for your gym membership you know you can get your hair cut there um, <laughs> that type of thing um so it is something that that where there's a market there that's looking to be filled or there's budgets there that we can kind of serve um if you if you got a, a good product so how do you what does the business development look like for those types of uh, businesses is it all word of mouth is it you um advertising how do you get those big big companies to kind of get back to you you know the simple answer knock on doors okay so you're reaching out to them directly and saying this is it this is this is my yeah right. yeah now I, I, I've been very fortunate um, that it hasn't all been me. It, it's obviously some clients have approached us, which is fantastic. And they've seen what we've done or they've heard what their neighbors are doing or who they're using as their wellness provider. But for me, I, I'm a big believer on using your network. And um, so, yeah, it was knocking on doors. It was talking to people and to see if there's an opportunity I could talk to someone in that company or who would be the best person to talk to regarding wellness. Do they have a corporate wellness program? Do they have suppliers? And just starting that conversation and knocking on doors. Hey, perfect. And what are they looking for? Are they looking for, like you said, change it to performance? Are they looking for more than uh, classes? Are they looking for being able to set up like uh, like plans for people and stuff like that? For What's the, what's the, the kind of offerings that you give these guys? Yeah, I'd love to say there's one core offering, but there actually isn't. Every client we go into or we create a package for it would be bespoke. So we try and tailor to the needs. You mentioned HubSpot earlier, and they could have needs on physical well-being, mental well-being, emotional well-being. So every client is so different. So we try and suit the needs to the client. We use a lot of um, different suppliers and coaches to try and suit the needs. Hopefully we can align and see their adjustments. We also walk into clients and they might have no well-being program. They okay. might have never done anything before. This might be a first off. They might be trialing something. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, that might have been, I don't know how to answer your question there, but kind of vague. Yeah, but you're just kind of, it's a bespoke service. Okay, I get it. And the, like, 
in your just because I'm, I'm really interested in the fitness inter- industry and stuff like that i i used to work in a so i used to teach classes uh in crunch fitness uh like 10 years ago um one area is that right actually it was out in um oliver's uh or oliver plunker key or whatever in um temple bar and then in ucd briefly but uh there was there was a buzz i used to get when i was doing it in front of five people or sometimes like three people we just we do do a like a spinning class or uh whatever type of class we were doing and i remember thinking this could be i i genuinely thought about kind of building a career in this because you know it's like almost you're getting it's like getting on stage almost the you it, it has a cap <laughs> captive audience uh for want of a better word but uh if they have a good time you kind of feel the energy off that and it's kind of a bit of a high after that is that what kind of drove uh kind of drove you to get into this as well um does that do you get anything out of that yeah absolutely i 100 agree with that is um and it's one thing during these COVID times i miss 100 interaction with people their energy, you feed off other people's energy. It's 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 something that I miss terribly at the moment. Um, but I'm very lucky that um, my parents would have probably pushed us into things when we were kids. Pushed probably isn't the right word, but we went to swimming classes. We tried karate, played football in St. Joseph Boys. And I was dyslexic growing up, so... My parents were very much so, how can we help and support that? And they put me through dramas, drama lessons. Okay. And it was something I actually really loved. And that probably brought me out of my shell, getting up on stage, get being in front of people. And I think that helped me transition into the fitness industry amazingly. And I've been very fortunate to go from teaching class of 20 people to go on stage and work with big clients and be doing events where there could be couple of thousand people in an audience so absolutely 100 percent uh yeah there is a euphoria there is a great feeling of uh once people are having a good time and being on stage yeah, i love that side of things it's amazing it's something that it's come up on the podcast before mark baker as well the a lot of people that we talk to have dys- dysle- dyslexia um or other kind of difficulties there uh that are self-employed or entrepreneurs i wonder does it have something to do with that uh tom did you ever think about that is, is that does that affect that i don't know it's just sort of a pattern that i noticed um i don't think i'd be where i am today without it i i think i might still be working a job or a nine to five if you want to call that i think i don't know whatever age it was but i always had a kind of burning desire to try and do something myself and um i think dyslexia has, has helped that dramatically um but it, it's something when I was very young growing up, um, I was ta- I taught negatively of it, very negatively. I taught when I heard, I thought I needed to get a pill or a medication to resolve this or solve this, even know what it was. Um, were you very young when you were diagnosed? Sorry, say again. Were you very young when you were diagnosed with uh, this? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I think it was around seven years of age. Oh, um, nice. And I, it, at the time, it, I hate to say this, but our schools weren't up to scratch what they were now. Like our, my parents had to take me out of school to get diagnosed. Like okay. my teachers at the time were saying, no, you're fine. Nothing's really? wrong. Really? And they knew I wasn't keeping up and my spelling was a bit poor. So I'm very fortunate about my parents. And we, I got diagnosed with dyslexia. But at the time I was like, oh, uh, I have a sickness. I have an illness. What do I need to do? Uh, what do I need to take tablets? And I was really down on myself. And then I was just like, hang on. It's just a different way of learning. That's all it is. And I love being dyslexic. And... I actually now volunteer with Dyslexia Ireland. Mm-hmm. I've done workshops to, with kids and with their parents to how dealing with it. And I'm a big believer that it's helped me to where I am today. It's such an interesting thing. It takes different mindset to be working for yourself or to not get it. We've talked, to, especially lately, Mark, we've talked to loads of people who don't have jobs. And I mean that in a, a job, like you said, the nine to five or that type of thing. And it seems like mm. a few of them... Have, like I, I would have, I would have had a... So it was a typical kind of normal education. Like there was nothing, nothing too different and went on, became an accountant. I, I was almost felt like I was, I was too normal to actually break out. I, but I, at the same time, there was this dichotomy. I was this kind of accountant, but at the same time I, I was real entrepreneurial and I almost had to fight against my logical thinking to, to break out and actually, and it was a huge leap to make burn the bridges. Right. But that's quite tough. If, if there's, 
if there's nothing really stopping you staying in a nine to five, do you know what I mean? Maybe sometimes if you if you do have a learning difficulty or difficulty within some area, you kind of feel like the nine to five is going to be tough for you. So almost what are the other options? And then that's been in your head. And then hopefully you don't go into a shell. You, you come out and actually use it as a, a bit of a, I don't know, a superpower to, to go on and achieve bigger things, you know, a bit of a chip in your shoulder type of thing. Just, just on that, it, like I hope I'm not coming across um, looking down on a nine to five. I know a lot of people who are, that's what they love and that's their passion. And I know people that have a little side hustle on the side where they have extra income coming in the side and they're working that cushy job and they've got the best of both worlds. Then I had a guest on, I had Kareem on my podcast as well and he made a very good point on the podcast. He had a very high-end job with a tech company, very well looked after. And he wasn't happy in the position. Money was great. Lifestyle was great. But just he wasn't happy. And he set up his own company with his brother. And I think he's on half the salary he was on or earnings. And he's so much happier. So listen, it's, it's, it's different for everybody. I think it's a big individual thing. As, as Mark's just touched on there, there is that fear of, is that wage coming in? Where's that money coming from? And um, that salary at the end of the week or end of the month, uh, you know, that pays bills. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Cream was on our podcast as well. I couldn't. Oh, brilliant. Couldn't, Small world. I couldn't talk to uh, a, a nicer guy. It was like me and Mark were like chilled out after talking to him. He didn't seem like he was worried about anything. <laughs> you know? yeah. He seemed like he was really uh, self-actualizing, doing exactly what he wanted to do. Um, so delighted with that. But well, you'll uh, often find when people do take the leap, you rise to meet the challenge. Whereas if you have that nine to five and you have the side hustle, it's very rare from my experience that side hustles actually become anything big. They tend to stay side hustles, which actually, which is fine. As you said, if you can get the best of both worlds, that might suit the right person. But if it's somebody who just cannot stand being in the nine to five, I feel terrible for them because it's not a nice place to be. But then again, someone who, who's suited to a nine to five to be an entrepreneur, that's not a nice place to be either. So it's about knowing yourself what suits you better. And the one thing as well is like school doesn't teach you to be an entrepreneur. No. Like, like uh, it teaches you to go do the leaving cert, get as much points as you can and go for the best college course. You think. We're not taught to go out and start your own business and be entrepreneurial. Well, maybe they are now, but they weren't when I was doing in school, you know. I think it's a I think it's a one page in the leaving cert um the leaving cert syllabus uh, on entrepreneurship um really really small thing <laughs> when I was doing it anyway but um just an interesting thing because that that's the one that uh, drives all the, the employment you know um and everything like that so something that you think that they would be focused on but listen um there's different strokes for different folks how so you're 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 going along you're you're building your client base you're doing face-to-face gigs. You're getting the high of doing that. Um, you're building bespoke packages for these high-end clients. Um, Dublin, we're kind of lucky in, in, uh, in a lot of ways for businesses because there is a lot of kind of big headquarters of those um, open-minded companies or forward-looking companies um, who will be spending money on these types, types of projects. But what, hap- that's what happened in March when Leo Radker is standing up there saying that everyone can't go to work anymore? What was that? What was the mindset for you? Were you worried? Did you, were you kind of just on damage control? What was the? I'd imagine your business would have to change fundamentally. It's it's funny you mentioned Jamie White there earlier, and I remember talking to him just after that week, and we had a great conversation. And what happened to me was I got this rush of panic. Um, what the fuck am I going to do? Um. But then the companies didn't know what they were going to do. Yeah. That was the big thing as well. Every, it, there was a big media press, offices closed, you got this. Now we've normalized it. Like we're talking where we are now in January. We've normalized this all. But then there probably was a little bit of unknown and uncertainty and a bit of panic. But then I took a step back and I was like, hold on a second here. We're playing the long game. This isn't, um, Jerry Duffy always says this, I say it's a marathon, but he says it's an ultra marathon, not a sprint, you know? And listen, don't get me wrong. We had a couple of clients who dropped off. They froze, whatever. They didn't know what they're doing, the direction they're going. They were hit financially. Like it affected so many businesses and so many people. But my initial reaction was, yes, a little bit of panic, uncertainty, unknown. 
Um, but you kind of get used to that if you're running your own business or being a sole trader or being an entrepreneur or being a CEO, whatever it is. Um, but I took a step back and I was like, hold on a sec, what opportunities are here? And the virtually has worked out very well for us. Um, a lot of our webinars, workshops, events can be all run online. I'm sure as most of you guys know, we're doing this podcast via online. I've gotten guests that I didn't expect to get that I taught them how to do face-to-face now online. So initially, a little bit of panic, a little bit of onset, but I took a step back and I said, hold on, have patience. And that was the biggest things COVID's given me so far is patience. And yeah, just take a step back and see what opportunities there actually is. It's, and were you doing much online before that, online classes and stuff? No, no. We were all on site for our clients. And that's what pretty much everyone was doing. Don't get me wrong, there was online coaches, and uh, but it wasn't as big as what it is now. Um, and I just think about like how, if you think of travel, like I remember getting on planes to go to meetings in London yeah. and it was just normal. And you'd sit beside someone else who's just gone over for a meeting for a day for 24 hours. That's gone. People do that via Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Blue Jeans now, Skype for business, you name it. And we've normalized that now where we just jump on a call and we get the meeting done. We don't jump on a plane. Yeah. It's such a, yeah. cause, because I was traveling a lot like with my job because my, uh, I run a, uh, a sales partnership uh, channel for HubSpot and it's all over EMEA. So we've got partners from Dubai to Spain, right? So I was booking all these flights, doing all these, like doing three, three trips in February. I think I did. Um, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but in one month, three kind of four day trips is quite a lot out of the out of the calendar, out of away from your family, all that type of stuff. So, um, but since then, and that was because it was kind of the done thing to do, especially at the enterprise level. They just kind of expected you to come in. We'll do the contracts in person. We'll go for dinner. Um, we had a lot of fun along the way as well. Uh, but I remember, like you know, you're, a lot of hotel rooms on your own. You know, mini bar there. You know, drinking cans, watching telly. I'm like, this is kind of weird. You know, it's not a very healthy way to be living, you know. Um, so anyway, it's the traveling aspect. just the traveling aspect, just kind of like you're on, you're, they might be there for, you know, uh, a biz, one or two business meetings. We were there for but three you days. Miss that. Do I miss it? Yeah, I do miss it. I do miss it sometimes as in uh, I had, had some great uh, partners in some places that were, were would have been nice to kind of spend more time in. Like I've got a partner in Barcelona, so we would have gone done two or three trips there this year. Um, Dubai was another one that I'd like to kind of go out there and kind of touch base with. But like overall, my standard of living is actually better because of it. Everything's on Zoom and we can bang out five or six meetings in the morning that we couldn't have had before. And I think that there was kind of a trepidation at the beginning to say that these type of big sales contracts, they don't really happen over Zoom. They want to see, you know, shake your hands and stuff like that. That's not been the case for us. Um, You know, it might be the case in some industries, but in software technology, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't seem to matter anyway. I mean, we had a, a boom year uh, in 2020 in HubSpot and, you know, record after record. So I think... What's the, what software company didn't? Exactly. So everyone's like, we kind of had the lift that everyone else did. Um, so it was great. But my point is um, now I, I've even, I've gone completely remote. So I've, I've changed my contract. I'm not going back to the office. That's kind of, it gives me control about how I'm going to live my life um i've got a, a baby that came last month so like we're gonna build all that uh the time around that and uh everyone else is you know it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fine um so although i do miss the kind of putting on the suit and stuff and then going out to like fancy dinners and stuff especially in places like we used to go to uh we had a, a partner in oslo so i probably won't go to oslo for a weekend trip because it is scandalous but you know if i'm entertaining some clients why not, Joe? Uh, I wonder, is Mark smart, smart in there? You have a couple of kids, Mark, do you? I do indeed, yeah. Is, is he going to be running out the door from this remote work and once that baby starts crying on a, on a Tuesday morning he's had 10 back-to-back meetings? Yeah, <laughs> yeah mine, are, mine are six and eight, so uh, they can be bribed right now. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Luke, I feel I feel sorry for, for the next year or two. It could be tough for you. Yeah, it's, actually, it, it, they could hear him uh, earlier on. He was uh, having a bit of a... I don't know. What he, I don't know what was going on there. He was getting. Uh, it sounded like he was under attack. 
I do. I do think that, like in in Q three and four this year, like when people are allowed to meet again, I do think it will return. I do think the face to face meetings, if you're not doing them, I think other people might get the deal over you. And um, relationships need to be formed. Not they don't need to be, but they're more solidified in person. That's just the way humans are. Even though we're told, you know, stay at home. Mark, you're probably in a, a position, but you're doing deals with uh, with companies in the long term. I think that's different. If I'm going to be so if they hire you to handle their talent acquisition for, you know, for the foreseeable, I'd want to meet somebody as well. I don't, do you mm. know what I mean? It's, it, it's software, it's, it's somewhat transactional. They need, they need something to fix, we sell it. And then I'm, I may never even speak to those people again. Joe? Yeah. So that kind of, that game where it's a repetitive game, I think any deal like that. Uh, and also, Tom, your business as well. It, if you're working on a company, I guess they're going to be developing their program over time. They might be growing more headcount. How are they going to manage that? So maybe the in-person is more important for you guys. Yeah, I think it's something that's always going to be there. I, the one thing I noticed from any of the feedback from our clients at the moment, it'll be interesting to see your thoughts on this, is people are more accessible than ever, but it's not a good thing. We're noticing that the frustrations from trying to manage kids, family time, personal time, working from home, back-to-back meetings, not getting a break, not having time for themselves, trying to have a relationship with their partner. It's all going into one. And I thought it was very interesting. I was reading up on Google there recently, and they have a non-negotiable that you have to take an hour lunch break. And on that hour lunch break, your system goes down. Interesting. Love that so idea. Your Cisco system's down, your phone, your email, you name it, unless you go off and get to a personalized, but that's a non-negotiable, which I thought is very interesting because I notice a lot of burnout from a lot of feedback at the moment. That's what I was going to ask you, Tom. Like, how how have you found people's physical and mental health over over the last, what, 10 months at this stage? Has it gone? Did it go, all oh, everybody's mad into their fitness on Joe Wicks and everybody was doing that in the first two months and then it probably went down and what way has it kind of gone yeah there was a there was a massive peak oh it's grand we can do everything virtual but then um, the way we did it in Ireland the rush when the gyms opened back up and people could actually physically train with someone was higher than ever which, which we noticed um, I think now where we're at I think there's more uncertainty and I think we're going to be here at this for a long, long run, I do believe. And I think virtual is here to stay on, on, on many levels. Um, but I just notice at the moment, people are more accessible than ever. And we try every workshop we do or we deliver, we're trying to make it as engaging and specific as possible. So we try and go into the client and say, what's your problem? What's the gap and what's the goal? And we try and we try and bring them on that journey from knowing to actually doing, and it's the action in between which we try and sort out. Um, but yeah, back to Mark's question, I I do believe people are doing probably twice or triple as much work within their Monday to Friday. It's an interesting. Mm-hmm. One. I I feel like that as well. I I start work now kind of like seven o'clock in the morning because I'm up anyway, and then I kind of wander in, and then I'm in this box room pretty much especially on a day like today where it was like raining and stuff i'll be here till kind of like half five just like anyway, mm. that's a long old day just to be sitting on your own i feel it will catch up on you i i can do it and you know because it's my own business and stuff i, I don't mind and i kind of enjoy it and i feel almost like i have to you know you just never switch off anyway but i'm kind of waiting for it to catch up on me it hasn't caught up on me yet but i wonder how that's all going to materialize with, with anyone who works from home yeah like being able to switch off you almost have to go out the door at half five, go for a walk, come back in, you know? Yeah. Only I'm home. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the, it's kind of like you want to plan it, kind of like, okay, I'm going to try to get it, like aim to get all your work done by like three. If you had, if someone put a gun to your head and said, what could you do before three? That's the, the stuff that we're going to get done. And then kind of mm-hmm. maybe peter off after that because like, I don't know about you guys, but after three o'clock in the afternoon, I, I might be there, but there's YouTube on my second screen. There's, you know, it's kind of, I'm, I'm there for the, yeah, you know, for appearances' sake, really, my mind's kind of finished at that if I'm working seven hours or eight hours. So, um, yeah, listen, guys, take a break. I love the 
I love the the Google idea where they sh- they shut down your thing for an hour. I'm gonna pitch that. At if my... you're competing, if you're competing against them, Luke, you know to to start pitching people in that hour. You know, yeah, if they're all out. switched off. Yeah, if they don't sell the same software as us, Mark. But if they were, <laughs> Mark doesn't know what I do for a living. All tech uh, is the same. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the same. What's interesting for me, guys, is I I, I think where we're really uh, falling down is I think people's commute. People might have cycled to work, walked to work, went for a run, listened to their favorite podcast, dumped their mind from that day and had that 30 minutes on their own. As you say, Mark, walking back into your family, whatever, getting home. I think that's gone now. And I don't think that's a good thing. No. Yeah. And how, like I, when the gyms opened back up, there's a fly fit down the road for me. Like I was going there on my break. It was great. I had a routine because I'm a big into routine. I was like people slag me because I'm very routine. I have the same breakfast, same lunch. Um, but look, I think there's enough decisions to be made in my day that if I don't have to make them, that's fine. That suits me. Um, but Zuckerberg with the t-shirts, is it? Same shark pod t-shirt. Every yeah, day. same shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so same underwear a lot of the time now. I don't have to see anyone. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Um, no, but I found that like I haven't literally haven't gone to the gym since uh, before Christmas because obviously because it's not open. So I mean, actually exercise properly, like lifting weights, not just going for walks. What are so? Do you have any suggestions as to what you can do to actually get a decent exercise in now, like in in what are you extreme or lockdown? Yeah. Hmm? So like, yeah, what are you telling your clients? What's the, I, what's going on with the, um, the first thing I try and say is do what you enjoy. Like, I, I, like I normally ask a question. I'd be like, give us a wave. If physical exercise helps you. And normally the screen lights up with people waving, you know, exercise relieves good endorphins, but like, I'm not going to hear and I'll tell you Zumba's better than yoga lattes or CrossFit or going to fly fit. Do what you enjoy. I'm big into triathlon at the moment and I'm enjoying that. If walking your dog skip down the road twice a day is your form of exercise, go do that. I think the biggest thing, and Mark and you both have touched on it, is people have lost their sense of habit and routine. That's some of the biggest issues. But like, go what you enjoy. If you don't know what you enjoy, try walk, try go for a run, try cycle your bike if you've just bike or treadmill in there, give that a shot. Um, I do believe if you can mix some sort of cardiovascular with some sort of mobility and some sort of strength work, fantastic. Um, and what do you need? What, what would you need for that? What are some basics of some TRX ropes or, you know, a field? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, listen, you can do a lot with your body weight. A lot of people would say you don't need any equipment. Um, so, yeah, like... Less is more, no excuses. Um, we have the information there. You mentioned YouTube earlier. Yeah. Like all the exercises in the world are on YouTube, but no one decides to go and do them. So um, I think it's important maybe have someone to hold you accountable. If that's mm-hmm. a friend, a sister, a buddy, if that's a coach, if you can afford a coach or a personal trainer or someone that keeps you accountable is obviously a big thing. But the biggest thing when it comes to exercise or physical movement is something that you enjoy. If you enjoy walking to your local coffee shop once a day, go do that. I think that's a good message to have as well, just to get up there and move because I don't like there's been a, this lockdown. People have taken it pretty hard. This is the third, if you're listening to this in the future, this is the third lockdown for, for Ireland. It's getting extended by six weeks. I've noticed something as well, like not as many people out walking around here. I know it's winter and stuff like that, but also we've been trying to organize a pub quiz with my friends for the last couple of weeks. And it's just like, everyone's like lackluster. Everyone's like, ah. I, no one's putting their hand up in the first one we had one every two days like people were energized now everyone's just you know it's almost like they've capitulated into this is the way things are going to be going but um I, when when people do that they go they tend to go towards food and yeah. you know it's 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 tough like and people almost like it wasn't a lot of dry january's or you know yeah. uh no not a lot of new year's resolutions which is understandable but again bad habits conform you know i like the idea like like joe was saying about the triathlon that's something that you can for the most part control as in like you can get on a bike you can still run uh if you're near the sweet sea you can swim um if you got a, a good wetsuit um so that's actually i i started doing triathlon in the first uh in the first lockdown because of that i didn't have the gym for the first time in a long time um so we did a we trained for the ironman 70.3 i had a, a coach here in bray uh, who's also a friend of mine um and we completed that 
Um, but then I did eat a lot, Mark, as, as you mentioned uh, quite after that in the next lockdown. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, so what's what's next for the TD performance? Where do you see the business going? Do you have plan? Are you guys still in? Let's get through these kind of challenging times and then we'll see we'll come out the other end and see where we are or what's the what's the vision well we'd have very specific now goals and trackable goals like mark we've got a routine and a system in place for clients um during i suppose the good thing with covid is we took on two new clients during that time so that's what i'm saying i do believe in any circumstance i think there's opportunity and uh like i don't know if any is follow uh, Puff Daddy on Instagram, but he put up a thing there and he said, if 2020 didn't bring the hustle out in you, I don't know what will. And mm. that is prominent. And the biggest thing I mentioned earlier, it gave me patience. We, with TD Performance, it's a long-term play with our clients. We're trying to not do a quick fix. And I'm noticing in the market, there is a lot of quick fixes. And let's get in and let's do this, bish, bosh, bash. But we're trying to suit the needs of the clients, find out what's happening with the staff, with their mental, physical, emotional well-being, what the actual feedback is, try and track the data. We're big on data with most of our HR now um, to see what's actually happening. And so we would have a a long-term view, long-term play with our clients, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think it's interesting as well when you're you're, uh, an employee, your time horizon is a lot lot shorter you know because you're saying okay it's kind of quarter by quarter and then i'll see where i'm at then there's no kind of there's no point in doing too much long-term planning because you don't know what the company's going to do if your program's still going to be around or whatever um but if, if you have that mindset of doing the kind of the 10-year plan we had a we had a, a guest on recently who's sold three businesses over his career and i kind of he, he says like it just takes 10 years he goes i'm not going to go into a business unless i know that i I can commit to it for 10 years. Um, and sometimes he sold them a bit quicker than that. Uh, but that's his kind of, his uh, his his go or or no, or no go type of thing. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, and, uh, sorry, Luke. And Tom, do you, do you, like what's the network of similar people to yourself, like uh, fitness experts? I think you mentioned to me that you have a, a group, a mentorship group or a group that you would chat to um i don't know if it's weekly or monthly like a mastermind tell us a bit more about that yeah yeah so uh you i think you know one of them uh jason kane and sean mcgarty and um, oh, jay yeah yeah no jay well yeah they own a gym in black rock they own a couple of gyms actually and i'm on their mentorship program which is called ascension and we have a call weekly and we have a meet up every 90 days or prior to covid we normally meet up uh for some 90 days once again, very specific. What's your numbers? What's your goals? What are you doing about them? What are your leads? How are you tracking them? Um, and the biggest thing for me is having someone to keep you accountable. Like, Mark, I'm sure you have figures you have to hit. You yeah. Know? Like, Luke, I'm sure you have sales you got to hit. For sure. I'm sure there's someone looking at those that keeps you accountable. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just like... I suppose anyone that's listening, it's interesting you're talking, you had someone that sold three businesses. When I first started this business, I, I never forget being at one of the mastermind meetups and I was like, I want to sell this business. In five years' time, I'm going to sell this. That's my plan. Tom Dalton's going to sell this and make millions and sit back in the sun, hammock and all this. And uh, Jay's like, is that what you want? And I was like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, you're supposed to do, no? <laughs> um, the, I always say, it's a big question to me is like, I have a lot of quotes and stuff up here in front of me and numbers and figures, but um, a big question I always come to is what do I want? What do I actually want? And that takes time, man. And it's changing. It could change daily. It could change weekly, monthly. But what do you want? I was on a, it's, I've probably gone off on tangent here. I was on a call with Jamie White on his, uh, with his group and there was a kid on it or a guy on it and he's like, I read Elon Musk's book. I'm going to do this and I'm going to create this and and he thing, and it came around to me, and I was like, "I love your passion, I love your drive." But I was like, "What do you want?" And like, I don't care what Elon Musk wants. What do you want? And sometimes it's the easiest thing to just cover over, but we don't know the answer to that, you know? Yeah, I love that question because the answer might be not that inspiring to other people. What What you want might be, uh, I want to work half days, 
I want to work till 12 and then I don't want to work for the rest and I don't want to have to worry about, you know, uh, sales quotas or I don't want to have to worry about X, Y, or Z. There might be that type of thing where people are kind of anti-risk or, you know, but that's okay. That's But that's not, people don't want to go on a podcast and say, yeah, I want a, a minimal uh, exposure to risk life. It's not as, you know, I, I think it's harder to admit that's what you're looking for. And I think that's why the four-hour work week was such a weird thing because in america it's work like it, it's almost a badge of honor if you're a workaholic who runs himself into the ground you know it's the for, uh, prototype or not prototype uh what would you call it like the typical you know uh 40 something year old with the gut with the red car that he talked about in that book you know that's kind of the, the goal and if you don't buy into that goal um, and you don't want that you're kind of weird like you're kind of one of the outsiders so i think it's hard to admit exactly what you what you're looking for and it's it's a cliche but like it is the journey you know if you're happy with the journey i think that's the most important thing and it's very hard to know what do you want when you're you know 17 and 18 doing the leaving cert yeah. that's why the, t- the education system isn't isn't great <laughs> yeah exactly um, couldn't couldn't agree more but um like I think this is this is actually an opportunity for those people. I think we talked about it this last uh, year. They're kind of it's kind of written off a little bit the leaving cert, as in the the rules have changed a little bit now. This it's not going to be as I don't want to say important, but it's not going to be something that they can hold o- over you when you're going for different things because you're like, well, that was the COVID year. You know, you have to going to have to make your own moves now. You get to make your own moves now. I think is the that with how they should be uh, looking at that because um, I see them on the news and they're all very stressed out I get it it's only a few months away they've been told that this is the biggest thing the most important thing um, and then you know I'd love to go into schools and, and <laughs> show, uh, show up with uh, you know people who did very badly in the leaving cert and who did very well afterwards there is so many people I know like that um, and they find themselves in they it's the people who are going to seize opportunities after leaving cert, regardless of the points that they get. Uh, I know one guy in particular who uh, was working for uh, ESB or something, put down, putting down, um, putting down like uh, broadband lines, and you know it, he saw how much it was costing them to do that. So he just started his own business doing exactly the same thing, and he has like crazy BMW X5s, and do you know what I mean? And he didn't do well. <laughs> in the, I was in his class, um, so I know personally it's beside him. So my point is, he like we we should be kind of holding up those people as well because we don't really hold up uh, people as, uh, as examples like that. Joe, you know, I've never when I was in school they didn't anyway. That was one of the reasons that we wanted to do the podcast as well was to speak to all different types of people, and we yeah. and, and then the podcast would then be speaking to the you know seventeen and eighteen year old Luke and Mark and what we wanted. We could have hugely benefited from this, I think, you know. But um, I, I always wish I could go back at like when I was seventeen or eighteen and kind of sit down with young, young Buck Luke, you know, mm. with all that energy, tell him to settle down, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, here, okay, we're gonna go. We're we're gonna go into our lightning round uh, here just to just to kick this off. Mark Baker has a whole list of uh, quick fire uh, questions. Don't have to be quick fire answers, uh, but it's it's kind of like picking your kick picking our guest's brain uh, and around this time we like to jump in there. Mark Baker, what are you thinking? What's on your mind? Okay. Nice nice and simple to start. What apps do you use the most on your on your phone? What apps do you use the most on my phone? I will get it up now. So WhatsApp, LinkedIn, Gmail, and Google Drive. And I've downloaded, I use Garmin Connect for triathlon. Nice. Are you planning so, uh, to do the Ironman? One of the- yeah, so I've done 70.3 in Dunleary. Um, I've done two marathons. I have planned to do, last year I was, I was meant to do, to do Ironman Copenhagen. Um, but it was obviously postponed. So we've, we've pushed it on to August this year. And touch wood, that's going ahead. And I've been training away, not full training. I'll get back with my coach now in February, March and kick it off. But when you've pushed your wedding out three times as well, it doesn't help, you know. For oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. so priorities, um, uh, Ironman first and then wedding. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What's the best business idea you've never acted upon? The best business idea I've never acted on, coffee. 
I I met with Colin Harmon of 3FE. I don't know if you know 3FE Coffee, third floor. Yeah, lovely coffee, yeah. When he just had the one place and I was thinking of doing a mobile coffee unit. And so much so, I was working in a retail store at the time. I used to go down to dart stations and I used to have a clicker and I used to click how many people would be at the dart stations. And I said, I keep my job and I could do that before work and walk the evening shifts and do that. And I met Bobby Kerr then and he put me off it. And I actually went back to college and got into fitness. But uh, coffee, yeah. Coffee, why, how did, because uh, it's worked out all right for Bobby Kerr. Was he trying to... It has, it has. It's in Bobby Kerr sold it to an Icelandic company, which was uh, oh, okay. a lot of uh, coin for him, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Listen, things happen at certain times. I, like, one thing I'd advise anyone to do is go work in something, they're, whatever they want to do for free. I went and worked in a coffee shop for free. I gave up my time for free, learned about the coffee machine, learned how to make coffees, learned how to do latte art for free. Was not getting paid for it. I got a free lunch. And I was like writing notes, how to do it, how's the flow, everything like that. So and I know people don't do that. Yeah. They don't reach out and go, I'm thinking of getting into your industry. Can I shadow you for a day a week? Oh, Jesus, I hate it. Oh, Jesus, I love it. I really want to do it myself. It's, that costs you nothing. It's such mm-hmm. an interesting thing. Imagine like if you could... Say if somebody wanted to get into uh, channel sales in a, a te- tech business, or they like uh, selling, like, or when I was in direct sales and uh, in software, no one ever said, "Do you want to? Can I? T- how? How can you? How can I help you? And you kind of teach me how to do this because it's something I want to get into." I would have been like, "Great, here's paperwork I don't like doing, but I'll show you how to actually do it as well." Or, "I oh, want that's that's a really big one." But when I, when I was young, it never really crossed my mind. I think I was so desperate to get some cash as well this is something that we mark maybe talked about as well a lot of the people we talked to um this is this isn't a really fair a lot of our we have a really wide ranging um kind of guest panel where it's all different backgrounds all different kind of uh starting points um but there is i think there is something if if you're brought up in a way where it's a place of abundance where you're parents are even i'm talking about the mental uh, space where they say you know you can do anything you want you know we've got your back type of thing um or people when they come out of college or they come out of secondary school like i i needed some cash it wasn't a uh it wasn't really an option to go work for for free full-time but i could have done that uh, part-time i could have got a part-time job at night i could have been spending that time uh, in the apprenticeship model instead of going to college for four years um you, I, I can imagine what you could do as an apprentice in a uh, in an organization in four years. You could be running the place. So you'd mm. know the ins and outs of the business. Um, like so. often, people think like I'd love to get that experience in whatever organization or under whoever it is, and just think they're not going to hire me. But if you do it for free, you know that's skipping the queue. So you're skipping so much rather than trying to wait years to get the experience, to get the chance to interview. If you just say, "Hey, let me in the door for free." such a better chance and you can really skip that queue um we're going a little bit off topic anyway but um so okay all right next one um how much money is enough money how much money is enough um okay jordan i was at jordan belford the wolf of wall street and two things a quote i stand by um money doesn't buy happiness but being broke doesn't buy shit Paul Moore taught me that. But Jordan Belfort said at his workshop, uh, money doesn't bring happiness, 100%. He agrees with that. But money brings three things you need in life. You need accommodation and a roof over your head. You need money for that. You need food. Okay, you need to eat to survive. And the third thing is you need health care. So you need, if you get sick, you need to go to a doctor, hospital, GP, whatever it is to get health care, to get treatment. Money makes those three things easy and manageable. So he's 100%. Money doesn't bring happiness. But if you have money, those three things are easy in your life. So if you have enough money for those. Yeah, I agree. It is. It goes back to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And unfortunately, it depends on wherever you live. Like if you live in South Dublin, those three things that you just mentioned could actually 
you know, be very, very a high amount of money to actually yeah. cover them off. But there is going to be diminishing returns after a certain amount, whatever, whatever that is. But it does depend on where you live. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, is it who you know or is it what you know? Who? 100%. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. You've heard it before. Your network is your network. Like, like... Yeah. It's not the people I've reached out to on LinkedIn. I've knocked on doors. I've done direct mail to that have opened up a conversation that has got me into another door that has absolutely your network. Ask. Mm. We don't do it enough. No one does it. We're afraid of rejection. Rejection is necessary to succeed. It's Remember yourself and younger self and copper face jacks. You didn't stop when the first girl said no for a kiss, did you? Like <laughs> me and Luke settled down at age seventeen, so no comment. Okay, well, maybe he's not anyway. Yeah, but you know, I saw you know, one of my friends used to say this. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is PC anymore. This is a long time ago. I'd like to frame this in a kind of a ten hour, ten year or more ago. Um, he used to, we used to be in my house pre drinking before um, before going out to coppers, and um, he'd stand up and he'd give uh, you know the. Uh, the what's the I'm blanking on it, the Jack Charlton uh, speech. He get up and he say, "Listen, we're going to go out, to coppers. We're going to do our best, right?" And he goes, "It's not going to be easy for us, but it's not going to be easy for them either." Put him under pressure, like, and that was kind of <laughs> before he went out. So his, but his whole thing was like he'd go into a room and he'd say, "I'm not. They're not. These beautiful women are not going to get away with not rejecting me. I'm going to give it a go." Do you know, and he did. It worked most. It worked. You know, he did all right. So uh, my point is he's uh, putting yourself out there. I think you you got to step out of the matrix um, to do that. It's hard to ask for things like, or it's hard to pitch for business and stuff like that. If you're, if, if you're a steady employee as well, it's hard to, I don't know. I watched the matrix over the weekend, Mark as well. So I'm, I'm kind of in that mindset, the kind of red pill thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think any any kind of young person should should do a stint in sales, whether that be door to door sales. Um, learn how to sell. Learn to learn to get rejected. You know, uh, not to avoid it. What it feels like. And look, you'll never go hungry if you can sell as well. But it's just such a good tool to have. Um, okay. Um, two more, right? If you could advise someone to learn one skill, what would it be? Um communication I think that's key for everything like you're always going to be talking to someone we're human beings we need to communicate but like when I say it like the art of communication have you had Jerry Duffy on your podcast no no okay well like Jerry Duffy would be high up there he'd be a mentor of mine Eric Fitzpatrick as well like these high level people of communicators and there's so much to it. I do a lot of work on it for my, any of my workshops we do and communication is everything. I like that. Just remember anyone that's doing like presenting or doing workshops or speaking or public speaking, it's not about you. It is about your audience. That's a big tip as well. Cause yeah, when people are doing, you know, that people say that it's the, if for a lot of people, it's a big fear to be doing public speaking. But if it, I think that fear is there because you're, instead of being worried about providing value for the people listening, you're saying what well, they're going to think of, whatever, you know, the the demons kind of creep in there. I like that though one. I think we've had communication a couple of times, but um, I like the way you put that there. Mark, last one. What do you think? What's what's the burning question here? Um. Okay. Is, is there one book that you'd recommend to the 18 year old Tom? Is there one book I'd recommend to the 18-year-old Tom. There's two books. One of them's called Go For No. I can't think of the author off the top of my head. And the other book is probably Think and Grow Rich. I read that too late. I read that too late on. It's heavy, though. I don't know if I'd have been into it if I was 17 or 18. I probably would have put it down. Um, and then the last book, I'm giving you three and breaking all the rules. Screw it, just do it. Richard Branson. 
Okay, I haven't read that one. I haven't read that one either. Yeah. That's going to be on the list as well. We were actually we we did this kind of business uh, book breakdown at the beginning of uh, about a year ago on the trackpad, and one of the books was Think and Grow Rich, and I was I was trying to explain it to Mark, and Mark <laughs> hadn't uh, hadn't read it before, and I loved it. I I couldn't believe I got this far in sales and business stuff like that without uh, coming across this book before. I think everybody needs to read this. It talk we it's kind of the. Uh, old-timey language i think that puts people off because it was i think it was 1930s or something it was uh written it couldn't be more true today as it was then it's the same same nothing changes you know with people Brian, can i ask you the question on that yeah luke your top three books and mark your top three books top three books um let me have a look here what's on the thing oh yeah so the star principle by richard uh, kosh love that it's so simple um about investing in a type of uh, whatever type of business would be a star business and just focusing on those and when you're making decisions about even where you go to work um, they should be star businesses um, what else do I have there da, da, da. I've got a, a great book that I, I read years ago it's called The Intelligent Entrepreneur um, it is about people who leave biz- or Harvard Business School and tracks their kind of different stories it's not so much why I like it is it's not so much um, like crazy famous entrepreneurs. Now the ones, the books about like Steve. I'm not going to be Steve Jobs, but I could be the guy in this uh, thing who starts a, you know, a small website that does a very niche thing. Do you know, so that's I find that inspiring. Um, as for number three, um, bum bum bum. For would these be like actually no extreme ownership? Done. Jacko Willick. <laughs> yeah. Mark, I don't know if you noticed about that. It's very interesting when you ask someone a question about a book. Luke went into a spiel of every book there. Did you notice that? It was like this bravado of these are mine. It's very interesting when people, they get so passionate about books, they always find it good. Mark, you go. Um, I really I really like the, the um, four-hour work week. I it really, it's, it's the only book that I've read probably multiple times i might have read a few books twice but i always go Paris, back. Yeah, isn't it? yeah yeah i just it really it really actually made a difference with me with, with, with my thinking and stuff um what else i like the score takes care of itself uh by bill walsh bill walsh yeah it was recommended to me by a friend of mine uh own um jim gavin recommended that to me the dublin coach oh really yeah and i know nothing do you know anything about american football um, I know a little bit. Um, you, need, you don't really need to, though. No, but if someone else re- recommended, uh, is it The Trillion Dollar Coach to me then after that? And it was an awful book, I thought. I haven't, no, I haven't even heard of that one. It's about the, he's the coach who coached um, like Bill Gates and uh, okay. Steve Jobs and stuff like that. A couple of little nuggets I took from it, but nothing special. But anyway, that's my opinion. What would I know? <laughs> I just like, well, I like, same with Luke, we like... Uh, Books are people who reinforce what we already think. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> so I, I would agree with the kind of the principles in that book, which is you know put the, put all the work in, put the routines, the you know the high standards, and the score will you know will yeah. take care of itself essentially. So, um, I don't know one thing. I'm sure he's. I'm sure I'm not the only said Atomic Habits, James Clear. I have that here somewhere, and I still haven't read it. I'm terrible. I buy all these books, and they, I just look at them yeah. and like well, to think I have a nice collection. That's um. That is, for me, that's golden. It's probably the most favorite book I've read in the last couple of years, I'd say. Very good. Have you read Total Recall by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? I haven't got to my final book, Luke. Not the one that's like that tick. It's a very heavy book. Yeah, it's a very it? heavy book. It's Arnie's biography. Yeah, it's class. Anyway, Mark, my, sorry. My third that, one. Yeah, what's your third is one, sorry? The Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding <laughs> by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it's an incredible book. That's a, it it had a big impact though, like yeah. on a lot of people that have our that's kind the of Bible of like exercises. I think it actually says that's the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's ca- crazy. I think recommend that to eighteen year old Mark. I think you had it. You, I think you got it for me when I was eighteen as well. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I I'll break the rule here. Number four, the war, the war of art. Um, I can't remember the the author's name, but it's. It's more probably down the arts side, but it, it can apply to different things. It's just about turning up and putting the work in, and then the inspiration will will come. But uh, yeah, there mine. Listen, I need to get more reading done now. That's the only thing with with COVID. So like uh, like Joe was saying, um, 
it's it really does slow you down uh or you don't have too many gaps in the day where you're just gonna say okay, i'm gonna sit down for three hours and do some reading like you would on the dart <laughs> do you know what I mean? um, but on that note i'd like to thank uh tom for coming along to the the podcast today um really really interesting model that you'd have to change um over the last covid uh months uh hopefully uh with the vaccines and stuff things will get back to a little bit normal but it's great to hear that you're still acquiring clients during the the pandemic for this type of business i think that's amazing i think that the message of getting out there and knocking on doors and reaching out to people and networking and not letting this slow you down is something that any uh, type of business can really use right now uh, so we wish you all the best of luck in the future and thanks very much for coming along one question before you go would you prefer a t-shirt or a mug shark pod um surprise me okay interesting no one's ever said that before okay i drink a lot of coffee but surprise me surprise <laughs> me i'll leave that up to you guys. All right. thanks guys i appreciate it thanks and very uh, much. it was very enjoyable all right Talk thanks a mil tom really appreciate it bye cheers guys the recording has stopped.